We want to thank our sponsor, BenderLift. BenderLift is a patient lift device that buckles handles around the patient's torso so firefighters can safely lift patients of any size with ease. The most injury-prone non-fire ground activity a firefighter does is lift a patient. If you're lifting heavy patients, and let's be honest, all of us are, then you're going to want to check out the bender lift so you can avoid getting injured from lifting a patient. Vince, have you ever lifted up a heavy patient or any patient at all? Um, I've blown my back out so many times lifting heavy patients. I can't count the number of times. So something like bender lift is a pretty awesome product, especially if it's going to save me from uh, having to lay up from the job or go to medical or just work the rest of my day in pain. Absolutely, and they'll, they'll let anyone try it out for free. Doesn't matter what your role is within the department. Just sign up for a free field trial on their website, and they'll send you a set of bender lifts to try out for a month or so, absolutely free. We use them in our department, and I recommend you give them a try. Just Google bender lift to watch some videos and sign up for a free trial. Bender lift, they, the new slogan should be bender lift, save your back. <laughs> save your back. Welcome back to Chicago's Bravest Stories. Today, we are honored to have President of the Association of Firefighters of Illinois, Mr. Chuck Sullivan. Chuck, how are you? I'm doing well, Corey. Thank you very, very, very much for having me. Yeah, and we've got uh, we've got Steve on the we've got Steve on the on the calling line. Stephen, how are you? Stephen, how kids. are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, my kids. Uh, no, we're doing we're doing good. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's 2020, so this year is uh, absolutely crazy. And unfortunately, I can't join you guys in the studio, but I'll be here on the phone, and uh, you know, we'll have a good interview. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, Hopefully we can build can edit out any of like the the strange heavy breathing that that Steve might have in the background or or even me. We're glad you're here, Steve. <laughs> so well, thanks, Chuck. We're glad you came. Uh, so, uh, Chuck, looking through this resume, incredibly impressive resume. Um, we, I, I guess, for now, if that's okay, I'd, I'd like to kind of focus on uh, on the AFFI. Um, sure. It, Care to kind of go through uh, how you got your start and what you're doing these days? Absolutely. I um, let's see, we can go back all the way to 1987. Oh my God, let's go. That's when I graduated <laughs> high school. Oh, okay. um, a, a young I'm, impressionable <clears throat> fellow. <laughs> right, right. Uh, originally from the central Illinois parts, Bloomington, Champaign area. Um, I graduated from high school uh, in Bloomington. And at the time, let's just say that I lacked direction. So <laughs> I, uh, I joined the military oh, and wow. went in the, uh, the Air Force for four years from 87 to 91. Uh, spent some time in Honduras and was in Desert Storm for about nine months. And then got out of the military. At the time, I was stationed in Tucson, Arizona. And always knew I wanted to be a firefighter and tested in Tucson. But being from Illinois... I was literally like flying and driving back and forth. And I oh tested, I tested in Waukegan, tested in Alton, Springfield, uh, really in all parts in between, Pekin, Quincy, Champaign, um, and was fortunate enough uh, in 1995 to get hired by Champaign. And at the time, I was, uh, I was married, I had a three-year-old, and my wife was pregnant. And when Champagne called, they actually called in late 94 and said that I was hired, um, it was the most money I'd ever made in my entire life. It was about $25,000. Wow. Um, they also told me that they were going to pay 100% of my health insurance and 50% of my dependents. Um, if I died in the line of duty, there was these benefits. Uh, they also mentioned something about a pension, which I could barely spell the word pension at the time. <laughs> um, and... At, in that moment, I was just thinking, well, the city of Champaign is a fantastic employer. Yeah. Right? Probably the best employer in the state of Illinois. I'm really lucky. Wow. And not to, I don't want to misconstrue mis yeah, no, no, the city no, of Champaign. No, by no means you're high road in any way. But Champaign, yeah. is, I mean, they are a good employer. But yeah. 
Um, I've been on about a year, year and a half, and uh, all of us in the fire service know this guy. He's, he was on about 18 years. Uh, I'd been on about a year and a half. He was an engineer on my engine. Uh, just that guy that kind of, they call him the barn boss. Yep. Um, everybody respects him. He was our union vice president at the time and uh, encouraged me to start attending union meetings. So I actually did. And after about four or five union meetings, it finally clicked in my head. You know what? I, the city of Champaign is a good employer, but had it not been for my union and the, uh, the ability to collectively bargain a contract, um, I would not be earning $25,000 a year and I wouldn't have had the health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So that's when it really clicked for me that uh, the union was important and having, looking back now, the city of Champaign or any city for that matter, an employer would probably prefer to pay me $8 an hour, uh, maybe provide uh, major medical insurance and maybe a 401k. So that's how I really started down the union uh, path yeah. uh, and, and realized how important uh, a union is uh, individually and, and collectively. For, for us, so. yeah, you, you personally at, at Champaign and universally around the, the sure. state. Yeah, it's um, absolutely. We When we were talking to a couple other guys, we have, uh, we've kind of touched on that too. I mean, not to, like you said, Chuck, not to high road anybody. I mm -hmm. mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, amazing, incredible uh, part-time fire departments, um, volunteer fire departments. Oh, but absolutely. When we look at you know, when we look at what we deal with in this area and what um, what kind of issues that guys before us had mm -hmm. with um, maybe taking maybe being taken advantage of, like it's incredible what you know, especially for a younger, I mean, relatively younger guy like me, looking back on what what some of the old timers had to deal with, and sure. like, oh my god, I. I Guy, guys like us just can't help but take it for granted. Yeah, it would be interesting. And I, at the time, I was in um, Bloomington Normal, and normal firefighters, local 2442, and they're numbered that for a specific reason, because they were 24 hours a day for 42 straight days, they were in jail uh, oh because they God. went on strike. And I don't know today in 2020 if um, a unit – or union in Champaign or Quincy or wherever, every single one of those normal firefighters, they worked a shift at the fire department because they were required by law to do so. But when they got off shift at 7 a.m., they all went to jail, and the other guys left jail and went into the fire station. Oh so I Now, let, 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 as far as unionism goes, that's some pretty hardcore street credit right there. Absolutely. Like, I had to go work my shift at the firehouse, and then I had to go back to the clink. For 42 days. Correct. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I hope there is. North Riverside showed the way. I mean, they were ground zero, uh, you know, in, in the uh, in this century. But um, the as, fact as that, far as issues with privatization. Correct. Oh. Right. And, and sticking together and oh, yeah. and uh, and doing what a union should do. Um, I would hope that there are a number of locals in Illinois that actually would go to jail. Um, right and in in light of of you know what normal did and and normal was one i mean there was a handful aurora went on strike juliet went on strike um about 10 uh, the, the timing might be wrong 10 years ago um jim shrepfer who's a an emeritus vice president at the affi and mike matika who's a laborer uh in bloomington normal they wrote a book called the fiery struggle which Steve, I'm sure you've probably seen, um, and it just absolutely it uh, documents um, from about the early '70s up till about uh, the late '90s of all the struggles that that different fire unions in, in the state went went through. So it's a it's a great read. Um, if you want to contact the AFFI office, we can uh, get you one for sure. Wow, yeah, definitely. I would definitely say, guys, to check that out. I think firemen. Uh in general, get a bad rap for not reading. So, uh, yeah, you just, you just kind of forget. I mean, <laughs> it, it, and it, trust me, I'm just as guilty as anyone else. But if you just look back 30 years ago, um, guy, firefighters then were working a second job, 
um, or taking you know any overtime they could get to make sure that the light the the light bill was paid. Um, now today, guys work a second job. No offense. Uh, <laughs> and maybe to you know go to a vacation in Cancun, right? Or supplement it in right, right. Whatever and way, if you look but... at the back parking lot of any fire station today, there's most vehicles are 2016 or newer, right? Um, and those are ju- th- those are good things. Oh, absolutely. But um, I I think as members we need to recognize sometimes you know that we do have it good, but. There was a long struggle, and we still struggle today. There's other issues still out there today that um, that we face because there's many organizations that today want to strip collective bargaining or remove our worker injury protections or reduce our pensions. So, right. um, but yeah, so there's threats out there every single day, and, and that's why uh, you know we believe obviously that uh, the unionism is the right way to go. Uh, so, Chuck. Let's take you back to your days in uh, Champaign. Uh-huh. Uh, how did it go over there? Did, did you climb the ranks at all? Um, and were there any memorable memorable incidents while you were there? Yeah, and actually, Steve, I'm I'm, I'm actually still there. Um, I'm a captain, but I was hired in 1995. Um, we had four fire stations at the time, and. Um, and again, obviously, my, my engineer was the vice president at the time and encouraged me to, to join the union. But um, I think it was seven years. In fact, I know it was. In seven years, I made uh, the rank of engineer. A lot of departments don't have that rank, but Champaign does have an engineer rank. And after seven years, was promoted to engineer. And then seven years later, was promoted to lieutenant. And then nine years after that, was promoted to uh, to captain. So... Um, and all through that, I was uh, a local executive board member on our union. And um, at, at Champaign now has six stations. We run with Urbana. I don't know if you're familiar with Champaign-Urbana or not. Yeah. But um, Urbana has four stations. We have six. Uh, and we kind of split the university, which is really its own city in and of itself. There's 40,000 undergrad. Um, so combined, we have if you will, 10 fire stations and about, I don't know, 250, if you count the students, uh, 250,000 population. So um, we, yeah, I like, just like every other firefighter out there, I mean, we've gone on the, you know, the broken leg all the way up to the, you know, three alarm fire. Um, I mean, there's always a couple of calls that, you know, kind of stick out throughout your your career. Um, And obviously that, typically involves pulling so, somebody out of a house fire. I've never had the, uh, I guess, the honor of um, saving one's life. I, uh, I have pulled victims out of houses, uh, but uh, we're I'm, not. I'm, uh, I'm sure you're downplaying a little bit. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it, it sounds silly, but, you know, again, for, I, I guess, I'll say several guys like us, like sure. every, every kind of little thing's a win here and there. Oh, and absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's funny. I, I got my cert off as a paramedic and um, I think me and Steve used to talk about this here and there. Like it was funny how as a paramedic, you like the hot call was like a cardiac arrest sure. or a really bad traumatic injury. But like, I, I felt like, like I said, Steve, me and you would talk about all the time. We're like the, the people that we actually did save were like the grandmother who had chest pain at three o'clock in the morning, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, just the, the random. Absolutely. Like these people I think are getting, are being affected more than, you know, the, the simple cardiac arrest that yeah, may end true. up on the, on the ventilator for, you know, three weeks that and is, die anyways. Unfortunately. That is true. It's just amazing to me though. Like <clears throat> the firefighter, does so many different things that the general public has no clue. They just assume that we sit around and play checkers. Right. That's a really long time ago. Um, and then we got PlayStation's now, Chuck. Hey, Corey, how's your, che- how's your checkers game? <laughs> and then if there's a fire, then the fire department responds. They have no concept that, you know, we do water rescue. We do, obviously, EMS, uh, auto extrication, um, just high-angle rescue. I mean, any any emergency. Oh yeah. The fire department is called on carbon. Mono- I mean, you can, the, the list is endless. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody's hot water heater goes out. They call the fire department. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really, and I've heard it before the all hazards department, the fire department is just, you know, a historical name, but it's, it's really an, an all hazards fire department. Right. If anybody's having an issue and they call, we, we fix it. But yeah, the, uh, uh, 
looking at it, I, I actually had to, I had to explain it to a, a couple of family members the other day about how mutual aid agreements mm -hmm. and things that we do, like you know, people, people just don't understand that. Like, well, what happens if we've got a, we've got a 17 story high rise in my town? Right. Like, well, what happens if this happens? Sure. You know, like, do, do are your guys able to, to manage this? And we're like, well, we've, we've got a couple of key players that can, and we work with other departments that make sure that we can provide this ability to, right. to handle any situation in our town. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. And like I said, going, uh, going back to just talking about your, um, your, the, the striking, like the one thing I do want to, want to say that I, I really appreciate you mentioning is that I feel like a couple times on the podcast, we've talked about, you know, Chicago, which obviously it was phenomenal mm -hmm. and incredible what those guys have done during their strike. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I think, uh, I think for all the times we've mentioned Chicago, we haven't, you know, you might be one of the first ones to mention that there were a couple other really mm -hmm. big departments that, that sure. are very important departments that, that got stuff done and pushed things in the right direction too, which is awesome. That is very, very true. Um, so, so going back to you and, um, and having uh, in your career, any, uh, anything that you can think of that stuck out to you in, in all that time or? Uh, I mean, they're just. wise Yeah. That, that Champaign-Urbana has three interstates, so just oh the number God. of different um, vehicle accidents. Yeah, yeah. and the, the things that you would never imagine a human body could do, is just, it's amazing, right. really. Right. And, um, yeah, so those are, those and, are still vivid. And, know? again, that town, like I, I went down there, um, I went, I'm not sure if, uh, Steve, I'm not sure if you ever made it down there. I went down there um, to the fire college, uh, mm -hmm. not the class, but the um, to the college down there, right. and did a couple of those classes. And that town is amazing. There's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it, booming right, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we going down there. The the city's a huge city, mm -hmm. and combined with the fact that like you guys have a huge area that you guys are responding to out there too, right? That is true, yeah. Really a mix of everything. Uh, yeah, uh, downtown is flourishing. You know, we have high-rises. We also have, uh, you know, some cornfields on the outskirts. So yeah. um, yeah. we've fought cornfield fires before. I was going to ask but, you, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of different stuff you guys are sure. doing out there. Sure, yeah, huh? and then really everything, you know, mixed-use occupancy, uh, everything. They, it's a mixture of both and uh, or everything and the fact that there's 40,000 18 to 21 year olds lends itself to a lot of EMS calls at between midnight and 3 a.m. as you can imagine. So, at what rank do you get off the ambulance truck? Uh, we don't. I, that's another good thing about Champagne. We hear. go on every single BLS call, or I'm sorry, we go on every single EMS call, but we do not transport. You believe that? Wow. Yeah. Huh. We have, uh, two private ambulances actually transport. Really? There's very few left in the state. Galesburg, Champaign, Urbana, Bloomington, oh, I'm sorry, Bloomington Normal now does, um, Decatur, Springfield, and Murfreesboro off the top of my head that do not transport their patients. So really? Alton, Alton just started doing that. So I, it's a, I'm, from a revenue standpoint, again, each local government's different, but um, uh, that creates revenue and that creates jobs for people. So right, um, absolutely. We're always in favor of fire-based EMS, for, oh, sure. Yeah. for sure. Did um, so going back to the department, what what kind of setup did you guys have? Did you guys have run engines and trucks with with your ranked? Uh, right. So yeah, as it is today, the um, we have six engines, two ladders, uh, a heavy rescue squad, and a uh, one battalion chief. So the an engine will respond with the private ambulance in that district. So, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Awesome. Steve, what do you got? Well, uh, Chuck, so you got heavily involved in the union. Uh, you're an executive board member at, uh, at this time. Uh, how did you start getting involved with ASFI? Well, let's see. It was about 2003, 2002, 2003, and Dave Foreman um, from Juliet, who uh, is now an emeritus AFFI president, um, really started the ball moving forward for the AFFI politically and asked uh, me and my predecessor, predecessor, Pat Devaney, who coincidentally is from Champaign, um, if we would be interested in helping in a state rep race in Champaign-Urbana. 
And at the time, um, I believe Pat and I were both roofing on our days off. And when we got done roofing, we would stop by the uh, campaign office and stuff envelopes or, again, this is early 2000s, so we did some data entry on a on some computer that was 300 times the size of the computer I'm looking at now. <laughs> and, um, and then occasionally put out some yard signs. And uh, the campaign was very appreciative of it. And Dave Foreman was very appreciative of it. And that's really how I got my hold uh, into the political aspect of the AFFI. And uh, from there, I think most people probably listening know that uh, Pat moved on to the AFFI uh, before I did. And then um, in 2008, I was elected as the Central District Legislative Rep. So that's essentially there's three legislative reps uh, and Chicago has their own. And the AFFI has an office about two blocks south of the Capitol. And those three legislative reps essentially live in Springfield. They're in session. Uh, they're in Springfield every single day. The General Assembly's in session. Um, so there's an apartment uh, above our office. And every single day, we were either uh, testifying on a bill, uh, trying to kill a bill, uh, talking with legislators, uh, you know, inter interacting with the fire marshal's office, um, really doing no different than any other lobbyist is doing, which even to this day, as long as I've been doing it since 2008, I'm still astonished on the number of lobbyists and the number of voices, uh, if you will, that if you walk into the Capitol today, and everything that you're looking at right now has a voice in Springfield. The ComEd provides the power. They have a lobbyist. Um, Apple Computers has a lobbyist. Coca-Cola has a lobbyist. Uh, the radio network has a lobbyist. I, it just, wow. Heinz Ketchup, uh, seatbelt manufacturers, every single mm. person, you would, I mean, it's amazing to me and that if the AFFI and Local 2 did not have a voice in Springfield, all of those rights and benefits that, have, that we talked about earlier that were earned you know, over the last 75 years could be gone in a matter of 60 seconds with a vote. Um, so that's why it's imperative that you know, firefighters are in Springfield. Whether you like politics or not, uh, we're all local government employees. We are government and um, every single thing that you know we depend on is is from the government. So uh, it's it's vital that we stay engaged in the process and and elect uh, individuals that support our our issues. So yeah. so so Chuck, uh, while we're talking about legislation, uh, AFFI uh, had some pieces of legislation uh, that they passed just recently. Um, the two that I'm thinking of uh, are the labor bill, and then there were some COVID-19 protections uh, that you guys put in place for firefighters. Uh, would you like to talk about that at all? Absolutely. So I'll start with the second one first. Um, in 2007, um, Governor Rod Blagojevich, who I saw running, by the way, the other day. He's right down Com there by you, Completely too, white hair. Yeah, he's right over in the middle. He signed into law uh, what we call rebuttable presumption. And that is, uh, and again, I, this is a little bit different than local too because they have their own work comp uh, or lack of work comp actually. And this is all downstate firefighters. So if you, um, any heart condition, uh, stroke, hearing loss, hernia, certain types of cancers, those are rebuttably presumed to have happened on duty, meaning that um, if uh, Corey has a, I don't know, uh, a, a heart issue and is no longer able to work, it is presumed that he got that as a firefighter. It, the onus would be on to prove that he did not get it on duty or as a firefighter or cumulative effects of, of being a firefighter. In, um, we also included in that in 2007 uh, were some bloodborne pathogens, hepatitis, et cetera. So any of those ailments are, are presumed to have happened on duty. and Or in, as a result of as, your duty, right? Correct, yeah. right. So in uh, March, 
we, the AFFI, began contacting legislators, knowing full well that our members are going to be on the front lines, exposed exponentially, that uh, you know more than the normal Joe Q public. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would really like to add COVID nineteen to that rebuttable presumption. And one more caveat to that two thousand seven law was that you had to have a minimum of five years on the job before that was a rebuttable presumption. Um, so thanks to a, a number of really, I, I'll forget half the names, but um, two in particular, and that was uh, Jay Hoffman and uh, Kathy Willis in the House, and of course the governor signed it. Um, they were instrumental in including firefighters and EMTs and paramedics in the rebuttable, rebuttable presumption of COVID-19, uh, and they waived the five years. And we tried to articulate to them that many of our members that work on the ambulance that are going on the EMS calls are less than five years. So that, that bill was uh, signed into law, I believe in August, it's retroactive to, uh, to January. And of course, as many of us know, um, we lost two Chicago firefighters to, uh, to, to COVID-19. So that was, uh, that was a pretty important bill. Uh, I think it's important to note that that sunsets on December 31st. So when we go back down in veto session, we're going to have to extend that. Uh, that and it shouldn't be a problem. Obviously, it, I think we're in a second wave yeah, now. With, yeah, I was going to say, where um, the world is. So we're going to have to extend that. Um, and then your first one was the labor history bill. And there's been some, some uh, let's see, I'll just say confusion uh, between downstate and local too. And hopefully this, this uh, clarifies uh, once and for all how this all transpired. At conven- we have, AFFI has a convention every two years, and we take our direction from the delegates that are assembled at that convention. And one of the resolutions that passed unanimously was the legislative team needed to work with the General Assembly to uh, create an awareness of l- labor, uh, fire service labor, and the history involved behind it. So we introduced a bill that um, stated that every single full-time, uh, let me back up, every firefighter in the state of Illinois um, that is hired should receive uh, one hour, at least a one-hour presentation uh, on the history of, of fire service in the state of Illinois. And as the bill moved forward, you, know, you can imagine there's opposition because it's an unfunded mandate. That's another hour taken out of an academy. That's going to be a cost. Um, the fire chiefs asked, because the fire chiefs have a, obviously a lobby down there as well. Um, the fire chiefs asked if we could remove um, volunteers and, and paid on call, which typically they're not in the union anyway. So it would make sense. So we amended that bill. And by amending it, when we amended it, we stated that any firefighter hired under, and there's three ways a firefighter is hired. You're hired under the Fire Protection District Act, you're hired under the Board of Fire and Police Commissioners, or you're hired under civil service. So we said if you are hired under any of these three, then you must um, you know, receive this presentation prior to graduation, or you can't graduate. As the bill moved through and it got to the second chamber, about 42 pages above that, we recognized that when we identified those three ways to, to be hired, well above that, 42 pages ahead, uh, behind, is the fact that any city with a population of one million or more is excluded. So for all intents and purposes, the whole time we're moving this bill, we were under the impression that every single firefighter from Chicago to Wood River in Southern Illinois must receive this yeah. education. Um, again, a total oversight. Uh, Rob Tebbins at the time was the political director, and we worked with him, identified that this is going to be an issue. And uh, if you ever have Rob Tebbins on here, or Steve, you know Rob Tebbins, I believe. Do you know Rob Tebbins? You, yes, can, call, know you can call Rob today, or Joe Sinorski for that matter. And I told him to his face that the... Uh, First bill filed by the AFFI will be a trailer bill, including local two. And I don't have the bill number, but it is filed, and we do not foresee a problem whatsoever. It was simply a an oversight. Uh, 
based on the fact that there was an over one, one million population that we just did not, quite frankly, Thank did you. not think of. And there is a fix in place. I don't know that it'll be done in the six days of veto session. I don't even know if they're going to meet how they're going to meet in six days in veto session. But it is our one of our number one top priorities. Um, that was never the intention to exclude any member of, of Local 2, for sure. Did, um, in, in the grand scheme of this, uh, Bill, how many pages was it? Well, because it includes three different statutes, the Civil Service, the um, Board of Fire and Police Commissioners, and the Fire Protection District Act, I, literally hundreds of pages. Oh, wow. And uh, unbeknownst to us, we just added that amendment, and by doing so, excluded, excluded those hired are those uh, that serve a population over 1 million. So that complete oversight, there is a bill in place. I'll get you the number, Steve, if you don't already know it, um, to, to rectify that. Awesome. Um, and then kind of, I guess, maybe just backing up again, um, do you mind just giving us a brief overview of, so, so the Associate Firefighters of sure. Illinois, can you, what is that? Yeah, so it's... Um, I I don't have a lot of history with other labor uh, unions. I mean, obviously, I, I know of them and have worked uh, with them on a few bills. But it started the International Association of Firefighters is our parent organization, and they're obviously based in in Washington D.C. And then each state has its own state association, and then there's locals, you know, throughout each state. And the one good thing, well, there's many good things about belonging to the IFF and the AFFI, is that each local has local autonomy. So if, uh, I keep going to Waukegan and Quincy for some reason, <laughs> if Waukegan doesn't want Kelly Days, they don't have to have Kelly Days. It's a, it's a, they have local autonomy in literally every single thing that they do. Now there's state statutes that they have to follow, you know, they, they have to bargain over residency or they have to bargain over staffing. Um, but if Waukegan's local as a unit doesn't want, um, you know, 14 Kelly days, they don't have to have 14 Kelly days. Right. As more, like the police or ASME, they will just, they have a team that goes around to Waukegan and Quincy and, and Springfield, and they negotiate for them. The FOP or? Uh, the FOP kind of oh, does, okay. yeah. They'll, they'll go around, you know, they, they have a team of negotiators that, the city of Quincy cops might not necessarily sit on the negotiating team, but they their state lodge actually goes in and negotiates the contract with Quincy, uh, as opposed to the firefighters who, again, it's it's strange because you have to figure out what what one local really really wants, like residency. Um, you know, Alton might not give a shit about it. Right. So, right. Um, and that's one department cares about doing a 24 hour shift. Right. 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 Yeah. right. And that's a whole nother. A lot of the Metro East is one on three off. Um, we have a corridor of like LaSalle, Peru. They do mm. 48 96. Now, obviously, most are, are 24 48, but wow. entirely up to local autonomy. But uh, but back to your question. I'm sorry, Corey. I'm getting off on no, no. tangents here. But <laughs> the AFFI is the state organization. Um, there's 225 local affiliates in the state, and there's over 15,000 members. Now, obviously, Chicago makes up, you know, about five of those active members. and But they are one of 225 local affiliates uh, throughout the state. And we provide... Uh, along with the local two uh, political director, uh, advocacy at the uh, at the Capitol. Um, we have five district vice presidents that service the 225 local affiliates, whether it's through collective bargaining or there's a discipline case and the local president you know needs assistance um, that way. And we also have an educational component that our vice president Luke Howison is in charge of, and ranging from. Um, COVID, we just had a COVID-19 roundtable to, uh, we have a pension seminar coming up at the end of this month. Uh, we provide, you know, just various uh, seminars on on grievance arbitration, yeah. Yeah, just um, a number of different things. So we provide an educational component. Uh, we service our locals through collective bargaining. And then we obviously have our uh, legislative affairs uh, situation. So, um, so you guys pretty much, I mean, the AFFI pretty much 
represents and it's a labor labor it's a labor or, okay. it's a labor organization right labor organization. there's a yeah there's 11 executive board members there's, there's three at large that run you know statewide and that's the president the vice president and secretary treasurer and we have the five district vice presidents that run in their district and three legislative reps that run in a region north central and south and um those that's the executive board and then we also have um, three trustees that that audit our books that are completely separate, and they're elected as well. Okay. Uh, that audit our uh, our books, and we also recently um, we kind of re- we have a staff too, uh, not a big staff, but when you think that our group is only fifteen thousand members, I would put it up against you know the teachers or teamsters. We have, and they're all firefighters, which mm-hmm. is. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, we have a director of health, safety, and education. We have a director of communications, director of governmental affairs, and director of technical services, along with a chief technology, technology officer. And then, um, so there's five directors, if you will. And then in March, going back to COVID, because we identified, did we even talk about our COVID-19 committee yet? I don't think we have. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Um, the the data department, who has done a magnificent job, it's when you when you go to the bargaining table and you are uh, Clinton, Illinois, you don't have a lot of resources. They're a three person local, Clinton, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously Clinton, the local government, you know, they have a city attorney and they have access to a, a lot of things. Right, village uh, managers, right, and then, right, yeah. and. Our data department since 2006 until today has really built up uh, a tremendous amount of data that we can utilize at the bargaining table. Um, Sean Gillis is our chief technology officer and has done just a, a tremendous job um, of you know analyzing municipal budgets and uh, creating charts and graphs specific to each local. We actually built up our data department uh, kind of bolstered it a little bit based on the fact that COVID-19 is not going away and local government revenue is essentially absent. Um, And, you know, we're facing a number of locals will be facing or have faced, uh, you know, layoff uh, potential. So we actually hired um, three more data analysts to, uh, to really help with drill down and and provide exhibits and, and whatnot. So, uh, we're functioning at a high level still uh, at the AFI, and despite COVID, and probably functioning even better than we have before. I hate to say that, but um, the, each one of us, directors, staff, and executive board members, and this is strange, and you guys can probably relate to this, um, let's say I had this meeting at 1 o'clock in Chicago, so I could not be in Collinsville at 2.30, and I could not be at Peoria's public safety meeting at 3.15. But now I can sit in my kitchen and be on all three of them, which is exhausting. I mean, they're calling it Zoom fatigue now, but (laughs) you're literally everywhere and can't really focus on because the next one's starting in 90 minutes. Right. Um, Right. So there's there's that. Um, But, yeah, the AFFI is really – it's really – uh, it's a great it organization. Very multifaceted. That, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's just so many parts. different things that we do. And I, when I was uh, appointed in January 9th, uh, I had about a month lag time where Pat and Pat and I kind of uh, there was a overlap. And I thought, as a legislative rep, and I was in Springfield on a fairly regular basis, that I had a pretty good idea of what the AFFI did. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it. We do a ton of stuff and and do it pretty well, and that's again thanks to the board and board and staff. So. And was that you said there was two hundred twenty five locals, local that, affiliates, correct? Okay. Yeah. And um, out of that, how many how many firefighters do you guys represent? Over fifteen thousand. Wow. And our average local, uh, Steve Shesky told me this by the way, was is thirty seven. The average local has 37 members. Oh, wow. So obviously, Chicago being the largest. Rockford's next with 275, roughly, members. Aurora's right up there. Uh, we, we have, I don't know, 25 or so with 100, 125. But the average, is, the average is 30, 37. So, And I just mentioned Clinton that has three. 
Right. So, yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say that it definitely seems like there's no department too small we have or too big. Seven, eight. We have eight EMS only locals. Really? Yeah. Oh. They're all in central or southern Illinois. Wow. Um, but you have to be a public employee in order to, to belong. And so, in, in terms of that, what, you know, what would you say makes, why would you say it's important for, for f- career fire departments uh, or career firefighters to, um, to care or want to be a part of this organization? Yeah, our, like the AFFIs, the IFFs, sole purpose really is the health and safety of our members. And I think that's indicative of what we did with COVID-19. And we also extended um, the Public Employee Disability Act by 60 days uh, because of COVID as well. But that having the ability to um, research, our Director of Health, Safety, and Education has done a tremendous amount of research on you know, cancer, hepatitis, um, just various pieces of equipment that may or may not be faulty. Um, having that knowledge and having the ability to go to your state association as a local affiliate and say, hey, um, you know, this Hamaltro tool is jacked up and we almost got a guy killed because of it. Right. Do you know anything else about it? Um, where, you know, our, if our AFFI hasn't done it, I'm confident that the international who has a staff of i don't know a hundred um has that research and and able to to flag that for us so really and and again i know the last uh whatever we're looking at about an hour i I would imagine that you know we've been talking about this you know the entire time the reasons why and why it's important but yeah i mean there's being a part of a team probably more than anything and like you said representing there's I know I've heard a lot of arguments from uh, uh, from guys that from from firefighters everywhere that like ah you know I'm not that big into politics like you said or um, you know I I hate lobbyists that's what I've heard a lot sure I hate lobbyists right. and um, you know it, arguments that I've made is that you know unfortunately just like just like everything else we're dealing with like. That is the nature of our system. That's the nature of our politics. That's the nature of our government. And like, uh, like you were saying with with Coca Cola or Pepsi, which I would be very happy if our are sponsors you of ours. Are you Coke or Pepsi? Uh, you know what? I'm neither. I'm a bourbon guy. Iced tea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, not, never really Coke guy. Oh, I gotcha. never really a pop guy. I, uh, you know, but I'd love them as sponsors. I'll drink Coke yeah. all day long if they. Um, but you know, unless like we it. wanted. <laughs> hey, whoever tastes. Hey, whoever's paying and tastes best with the whiskey, right? Right, Corey? exactly. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Like, like you said, I mean, who who knows how things would have went if you guys weren't down there when, you know, again, for instance, you know, Coca-Cola saying, you know what? Um, we'd love to have the Coca-Cola symbol on every firefighter sure. in Illinois. Absolutely. And, right. you know, we, we might be sitting here driving NASCAR fire engines with uh, with, you know, advertisements. That is so, a fact. Yeah. And there, there really is a... Contrary to popular belief, just because you're a firefighter or you're a firefighter, EMT, paramedic, um, not everybody likes you um, in right. in Springfield or at the city council. They just don't because the, we cost money, right? Right, And um, there are a number of groups that oppose things that we pursue, mm-hmm. starting with our employer, you know, the Illinois Municipal League. Um, the Northwest Municipal Conference, the Chamber of Commerce, you know, sometimes the fire chiefs are opposed to us. Um, it, there's a number of different hurdles that we have to, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, jump. I, I honestly got it. This is, this is how close I am to you, Steve. I feel like I know what you're going to ask <laughs> or what you're going to say. And, like, I mean, even just look at, look at, at these uh, 9-11 firefighters now. Sure. I mean, we were, I say we, I was in high yeah. school, but, like, you know, when during, you know, 2001 for a couple of years after that, at least, you know, there was, there was a pretty, you know, pretty good respect for firemen. There was a pretty good respect for paramedics. There was a pretty good respect for police officers mm-hmm. that were involved in this, um, you know, in this catastrophe. And, you know, now that it's coming time for, 
everyone to kind of pay the bill. We're, we're looking at a lot of guys who have died, a lot of guys who are sick right now, and, and it's hard. I mean, you, you sure. probably know more about this litigation than I you, you clearly know more about this litigation than I do. But, you know, now that's coming to flip the bill, it's it's a little bit more difficult for these guys, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, again, it like anything, I, it, the dollars, right? The, right? the end answer is dollars. And um, I, I just wish... I can, if I'm going to convey something on here, it is the fact that, you know, we need to be involved in the political process. Um, I will say it's in our constitution and bylaws that we are a nonpartisan organization. And I've explained it, you know, going around the state that, of course, and, and this time is horrendous, obviously, you know, our country is divided, period. Um, but you're going to get a list of endorsements from the AFFI or from Local 2, but you're also going to get a list of endorsements to every other organization you belong to. If you belong to you know, a pro-life group, if you belong to the NRA, if you belong to the Knights of Columbus, that's their job uh, is to inform you. We're not telling you how to vote. We're just telling you when you receive that endorsement list, these are the people that at least 80% of the time will support you and your career, your livelihood, your retirement security, and your worker injury protections. And that, once you go in the voting booth, that's entirely up to you. If, if um, the death penalty is more important to you than your livelihood, then obviously that's your choice. But as a state association and even as a local affiliate, these are the people that historically, by their voting record, or by an interview process that we do, they're going to stand with us. They're not the ones that just want a quote or a picture with a handful of firefighters the day before the election so they can put it on their Facebook page. These are the people that are gonna make the hard vote and vote yes for your retirement security or vote yes that hepatitis should be rebuttably presumed to have happened on duty. Because there's bills, and there's always bills, to strip all of that away. Right. Right. Um, vital to our continued success to have members at the local level working to elect individuals who understand the importance of our legislature and agenda without local representation. The AFFI doesn't exist. Um, that was that was you, Chuck. Yeah, that's that's very true. If we, if we can just get one member of every local involved uh, at the local level. And that, you know, that bleeds over into the state level and then obviously the, the national level. But if one firefighter can get involved, attend a council meeting, and just your presence there mm -hmm. is, you know, okay, well, the firefighters are listening. Um, and then, you know, it's all about relationships and networks and, and talking to city council members and, and imparting your knowledge on, hey, I'm a firefighter. This is what I live every single day. This is what we do in our community. And this is why we're important. Um, if they know you're engaged and you're attending your city council meetings or your township trustee meetings or whatever, um, that's a step in the right direction. And then obviously that bleeds over into the, to the state level, you know, once or twice a year, if you can go out and put yard signs out, they remember that more than they remember the check for $500. That just, that's just the nature of the beast. If, uh, I don't think I'm going to get in trouble here, but if you are a, if Corey is a state Senator, and there's a somewhat contentious bill on, I don't know, make it a, a COVID-19. Should COVID-19 be um, extended for rebuttal presumption? And the IML, the Chamber of Commerce is saying, hell no, no way. It costs too much money. You know, we don't want the onus to be on us for COVID-19. They could have got it, you know, when they went to, to California. Um, you're going to remember that over the course of your lifetime as a senator for 10 years, that there were six firefighters on a Tuesday afternoon putting door literature on your door or making phone calls from a phone bank. And you know what? Th these guys, I believe in them. Um, they support me. I'm going to support them. And that's just the nature of the beast, whether you like it or not. Um, and hopefully, you know, if one guy in each local could, could do that, and then hopefully spread the yeah. spread the word. That would change be the game. Very beneficial. Now, Chuck. Now, Chuck. We have membership within the AFFI who's gone above and beyond and has actually 
gotten into politics themselves. Uh, there are several local affiliate uh, members who are either running for a, a position or are currently in a position uh, within state or local government. Um, anybody you want to talk about? Oh, is there ever? <laughs> we'll start. We'll start with uh, Michelle Darbro, who is a sister in local two. She's on engine twenty three. Steve, is that right? I believe. I believe yeah. so. Firefighter, EMT, paramedic. Um, she's a par- she's a paramedic. 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 She is uh, running in the House twentieth district. If you're going to have a state rep in Springfield representing you as a firefighter, surely you would want a firefighter uh, speaking on your behalf. And um, I know Local 2 has has been out uh, for Michelle um, a number of different times. Um, the AF, FFI guys have been out there as well. They put us in Park Ridge and Des Plaines for some reason. But um, that's, uh, yeah, she, she needs to uh, be successful. And uh, the more people that know about her, the better. I think her, you know, her polling is is showing well thus far. Um, she would be a huge asset to to every single firefighter in the state of Illinois. There's no question about it. We do have an AFFI member from Moline who is a state senator. Um, and then, as Steve mentioned, I, we have a number of different firefighters that sit on their city council. I mean, well, back to the city of Chicago again. There's is there three? Steve? Yeah, three. Three, yeah aldermen. there's three. Three aldermen. Three. Yeah, that were former uh, local two members. Uh, and that, that holds true, you know, in, in Pekin, in Elgin, uh, all over the state. And not even city councils. I mean, if you want to run for school district board, that, that, um, that's an avenue to, you know, your name is out there on school board. If, some, if politics are, you know, intrigue you and you want to eventually sit on a city council or become the mayor or or run for state rep, um, you know, that's a good place to start, your park district board. And it's also important to note that the AFFI, if an AFFI member is um, uh, seeking an elected office, they just need to fill out an application. So like, I don't know, five or six questions. And uh, the AFFI does provide some some financial resources uh, for them. So vote for Michelle Darbro. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, again, that's how else to ensure our future than putting, putting our own members in, in a place. Oh, it'd be fantastic. I, on a side note, and New Hampshire's different. I mean, every state's different, right? But New Hampshire has like 475 representatives, and 47 of them are New Hampshire firefighters. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> a good place to live. <laughs> right. What's... Um, all right, uh, I'm looking through things. Uh, what, uh, you know, what, Chuck? I, I got a question for you. A little yeah, curveball. It's not going to be in your notes. Okay. What's, um, <laughs> Uh-oh. You is, know, this, is this the question? This is the question. So, okay. uh, Chuck, 20, how many years? 25. 25 years as a fireman in, in Champaign. Uh-huh. You've seen some pretty good pranks, I'm sure. I have. Can you think of the best prank you've been a part of or seen while working there? Um, does it have to be in Champaign? Nope. So I was a firefighter in the military when we worked 24 on, 24 off. Oh, boy. I already like where this is going. Yeah, oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, we had a good relationship with the uh, the MPs, the military police. And uh, one guy was just about to finish his first year and he, again, we all have him. He's real cocky, you know, just jack yeah. off. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, so we planted a bag of sugar in a Ziploc bag in his uh, coat and then put it in, the, uh, in his locker. And they brought two canine units to, uh, to the fire station, said they were going to have a random you know, drug search. And uh, <laughs> they did two or three and then obviously went to, his name's John McDonald. I think he's a firefighter in Massachusetts somewhere now. But um, they went to his locker. Hit, hit and on his obviously, locker yeah, The dog did absolutely nothing different, but we didn't know that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, hit on his coat. Uh, they knew exactly where to open the zipper and find the bag. And uh, if he didn't faint, he sure looked like he did. <laughs> And literally started crying, and all he wanted to do was call his mother. That he just wanted to call his mom. That's all he wanted. And swore up and down it wasn't drugs. I get Sorry. one phone call. Right. I get one right. phone. Call. <laughs> I know my rights. Right. Oh, that, I, 
That it, is great. It was a good one. Yeah, it's been a while too. There were a couple. There were a couple fakers out there. <laughs> 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 the uh, so so Chuck, what's what's in future for you? What's in future for the AFFI? Yeah, so um, I was just elected in June at our convention, which somehow we pulled off virtually. Uh, <laughs> one of the first states to to host a convention virtually, and um, so I'm elected for four years and. Um, obviously I don't, well, I know no one has ever been elected in the middle of a global pandemic, um, because the AFFI was not around when the Spanish flu, flu mm -hmm. occurred. Uh, speaking of what, what is today? Our AFFI's birthday is October 22nd, Whoa. 1935. Wow. Um, and just a side note real quick. So there was a, just a handful, literally a handful of firefighters, uh, from Chicago, Springfield, East St. Louis, and a couple of other um, downstate cities that got together in Springfield and said, hey, we need to have a voice in Springfield here. You know, we're working literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, they got time off, you know, to go home and eat a meal. That was it. And um, lo and behold, you know, 80 plus years later, um, we are where we are. But that small group of individuals met in Springfield and formed uh, the AFFI with its sole purpose then was to, you know, have a voice and, and, and have language written in state laws. So, um, but yeah, so I was elected in the middle of a pandemic. And um, the fact that, and we've already alluded to it, um, you know, our, our members' health and safety is of the top priority. And I believe our COVID-19 committee, through their research, um, if you go to our website, there's a ton of information. There's boilerplate language uh, to use if you're, um, you know, looking for return to work uh, type stuff or uh, when to quarantine, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that committee has done just a yeoman's job of, of putting information together for our affiliates and couple that with the fact that every single local government uh, has seen a drastic reduction in, in funds um, is going to be a, a huge obstacle that we're all going to face uh, together. Our, uh, the fire chief in Champaign, Gary Ludwig, um, they do things a little bit differently. He was the president of the International Fire Chiefs. Uh, from August 2019 to August 2020, and so right in the middle of, of the pandemic. So we, they do one-year terms. But um, their association, the International Association of Fire Chiefs, are anticipating 30,000 firefighter layoffs across the nation. So if you do the stupid oh math, yeah, if you do the stupid math, um, that's 600 in the state of Illinois. Obviously, per capita, we have far more. Um, and we, we, if you've read any newspapers, you know, Peoria is facing you know, drastic reductions, uh, Decatur, uh, Glenview, uh, a number of different locals have already gone to the concession table. Um, so we need to be, you know, creative in, in how we uh, go about uh, our next 18 to 24 months. So, um, again, that's why we built up our data department to provide our local affiliates, you know, some some resources. So it's we're evenly matched here because there are going to be some local governments that, quite frankly, even before COVID, were hurting financially. And this just, you know, buried them. Yeah. There are some local governments that uh, because it's a crisis, they want to, you know, take advantage of that. So uh, it's our job to identify that no Glenview, you have $26 million in reserves. You don't need to lay off 11 firefighters. Right. But, um, Needs versus wants. Right, right. So, and, you know, going forward, um, we, uh, you know, we want to provide as much educational opportunity for all of our members. And then Luke, our vice president, of, and he's in charge of education, has really uh, tripled that in, in his two years uh, as a vice president. And, um, th you know, there are a number of, of full-time fire departments that, uh, you know, could at least perhaps want to hear from us. I'll just right. leave it there. Yeah. So. Or maybe make a transition or, right. or whatever it is. Correct, yeah. correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. like like we talked about, you know, in probably in previous episodes too, like unionization is just, it's a, 
it's a good way for us to all get on the same page. Oh, Whether absolutely. We're, you know, wherever it's through and however we're doing it, like us being on the same page is, is getting getting the job done. No for, doubt. For uh, for as much as I, I give my wife problems <laughs> all the time, like that's one thing that we always said was that, you know, mom and dad will never will never have a difference of opinion in front of the kids. And Correct. I feel like that's kind of some issues that we've had in the past where like this, oh, sure. this, um, this union saying this is important, this one saying this is important. And if we're all on the same page, kind of getting, getting it done at the same time. Right. Um, what do, what do you got, Steven? Anything else? Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, kind of wrapping things up, Chuck. Uh, I like to always ask our guests if you had a group of, uh, young firefighter paramedics, maybe just getting out of the Academy uh, what would you tell them about the job? What what kind of advice would you give them? Well, I would tell them first that I don't know if they realize that they are also full-time janitors, or custodians, <laughs> um, for at least the first couple of years. But I, uh, I don't think that there is a better job, at least in the United States. Um, and I say that with some – now, granted, I was in the military – I packed tractor parts. When Champagne called me, I was a maintenance man at Best Western. Um, you know, I've worked at McDonald's. Uh, I've lumped furniture for North American van lines, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. There is no better job. And I, and, and, that you've had. That I've had. <laughs> and it just, I think it bleeds in. I was like, you know, I was on the football team, baseball team, basketball team in high school. And just the camaraderie. And the, um, I just don't know that there's any other profession like the firefighter profession because you're going to go on some horrible, horrible uh, events. And again, that's a cliche, you know, you're going to everybody's worst day uh, to make it better. And you're going to experience um, so many awful things, but the fact that you're doing it with others that can, you know, quite frankly, laugh it off, joke about it. Um, those are bonds that you never, ever, you know, lose. So um, I would also remind them that there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say downtime, but if, you know, in between calls and training, um, if, if you have the ability, you know, to, to brush up on your streets or brush up on, uh, you know, how to innovate somebody, just, just the little stupid things, or this is something, this is, here's something stupid. When I was an engineer, um, before I went up to sleep at night, I would, I would put my hands on, if there was a, I would, in my mind, envision a house fire, I was the engineer, and would literally touch the tank to pump, and in my mind, it was, uh, you know, hose lay number one, would touch that, and physically, like, turn the, you know, the throttle and the relief valve. I did it every single night before. I, so it was muscle memory. Right. Just little things like that that, um, you know, you don't have to think twice about because you have to think about 8,000 different things in a matter of, of 60 seconds. So um, that, that's probably what I would, you know, let them know. And there's a long, long history of those that came before us that, you know, sacrificed uh, – a tremendous amount, and many of them sacrificed their life. And I guess I would close with this. There is nothing, um, and I don't want to sound morbid, but we recently um, lost Dylan Cunningham, brother Cunningham from South Holland in a training accident, and attended. The, I attended the wake and, and the funeral, and there's nothing more spectacular than our AFFI Honor Guard Um honoring Dylan's life and at the same time it's spectacular it's also comforting especially for the family and even for us in a, in a strange way mm -hmm. it's just it's just super impressive and um that's you know we would talk about we're always together that there's no doubt that when there's a line of duty death um there's literally hundreds of firefighters from across the state across the midwest and sometimes across the nation um you know paying respects because they know that quite frankly it could have been them yesterday or might be them tomorrow so right yeah it's it, i always kind of joke about the um 
joke about it and laugh about like the, the brotherhood thing and sisterhood thing about like us, you know, being brothers. But it it truly is funny how, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, we'll we'll shoot out texts about like, oh, let's meet for a beer tonight or whatever and a couple of guys can't show up or these guys can't show up or you know, me and Steve are going to to meet for something and, and one of us can't make it. But it is crazy, you know, like a family, how if I don't get a chance to have a beer with Steve for a year, if God forbid something going on with me, I'm like, hey, Steve, I really need a help. I really need a hand. It's three mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. I know he's there in five right. minutes, you right. know, or That's I call any of the guys yeah. at the station. Like, it's hard to find the downtime, but we truly are family when it comes to there being a problem. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. For sure. Um, for sure. Awesome. Well, Chuck, again, thank you. So, I can't thank you enough. Thanks for, for having here, me. For making this, the time this is great. Yeah. Appreciate it. Next did time, you see, next did I see we'll Ryan Brady's going to be a, on your yeah. show? Yeah, he's actually, I'm going to give him a call. Uh, give oh, him good. a call in like an hour or so. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk to him. You uh, hang out if you want. Have a couple of pops. You got plenty of downtime. I got to go to a stupid meeting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> meeting, meeting, meeting. I got to get on a Zoom. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, awesome. Well, again, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, Steve, mind doing our plug? You're really good at them. Um, plug it. Yeah, uh, Chuck, yeah, again, thanks for coming. Uh, we appreciate it. Sorry I couldn't be there. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, this won't be the last time you come out on the show uh, as AFFI goes on and keeps making the job better for everybody across the state. Um, so I appreciate you coming. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, don't forget uh, to go to the podcast store, www.chicagosbravestories.com, www.chicagosbravest.com. Uh, go to the podcast store, uh, check out the podcast shop, uh, check out some of our corporate affiliates, uh, and help support the podcast. We bring it to you 100% free of charge on all the podcast platforms. Uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, check out uh, AFFI's website. Chuck, what's AFFI's website? A-F-F-I dash or hyphen I-A-F-F dot org. There you go. Check out the AFFI uh, website for all your local news. How good is uh, Corey's voice, by the way? How good is it? <laughs> you guys always make me blush when you Isn't say that it. good? <laughs> That's fantastic. I didn't. <laughs> Steve says the same thing to me all the time. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for thanks all for right, checking cool. in. We'll we'll catch up with you guys later. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. The opinions and views are that of Chicago's Bravest Stories podcast and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations.